0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Scaling New Heights podcast. At Woodard, we pride ourselves on providing the very best cutting-edge training for accountants, bookkeepers, and other small business advisors. Well, this year, Woodard is producing the Scaling New Heights conference in Orlando June 4 through 7, and we're going to focus on five key practice challenges that we know every accountant and bookkeeper faces in their practice. Those five challenges are... Becoming and Remaining Distinctive, Building and Leading a Team, Finding and Acquiring the Right Clients, Moving Beyond Bookkeeping into the Role of Advisor, and Staying Current with Technology. Now, we're going to focus on that fifth challenge, Staying Current with Technology, in this podcast episode, but we have four other podcast episodes in this series focused on the other five practice challenges. I'm going to be chatting today with Michelle Long and Alicia Pollock, two of the leading QuickBooks advisors and trainers in the world, about staying current with technology. But before we get to those interviews, I want to thank our podcast partners, Entryless, Neat, and SmartBiz Loans. You can learn more about our podcast partners at Woodard.com/podcast, including some special offers that each of them have in store for you as our podcast listeners. I want to tell you a little bit about Michelle. Michelle is an Advanced Certified QuickBooks Pro Advisor and has a unique relationship with Intuit as a trainer, consultant, and author of numerous courses for Intuit Academy. She's also a co-author of the Advanced Certification Exam Preparation courses for both QuickBooks Desktop and QuickBooks Online. Now Michelle has to stay current on technology if she's going to train all of her peers in how to support QuickBooks, but she also services her own clients, staying current to make sure that she takes good care of them. So Michelle, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Joe. Thanks. It's great to be here.
0: Well, it's always great to have you on. And I know this is not your first time with us on the podcast, and it's definitely not your first Scaling New Heights coming up. You are one of our most veteran and highly rated instructors. And we're so excited to have you back with us in Orlando. You're focusing on technology topics in part. And that's the reason that I wanted you to come on this podcast episode with us today. And I know you're, you're a very accomplished QuickBooks trainer, but if it's okay, I would like to talk a little bit about QuickBooks, but also just talk about the, the world of back office technology and the way it's shifting. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, that's perfect.
0: Fantastic. So let's start with QuickBooks. I have heard hundreds, if not thousands of QuickBooks Pro advisors say, when QuickBooks Online is as feature-rich as QuickBooks desktop, then I will take a look at it, start using it with my clients. And their idea of staying current on technology is just finding out when that happens so that they can invest. What would you say to somebody like that?
1: Well, unfortunately, in in my opinion, if that's what they're saying is that when QuickBooks Des- Online has all the features of desktop, I don't think they're ever going to make the switch. I think they're using that as an excuse um, because the reality is, first of all, a lot of the clients don't need all of the features in QuickBooks Desktop. And in addition to that, let's say there is a client who needs something specific like robust inventory, like dealing with assemblies and multiple units of measure, or maybe they need robust job costing. There is an app for that. So QuickBooks Online is our core system, but there's all of these hundreds if not thousands of apps to meet those special needs and those special features from desktop. So the reality is you can make QuickBooks Online combined with apps do everything that you need in the desktop perspective, but more efficiently and more profitably because you're working in the cloud. um, So it's saving us a ton of time, streamlining our workflows and, and the integration that we can get now is just amazing. So for those people that are still clinging to that, I just think they're really using that as an excuse just because they're not ready to switch yet. And I don't know whether that reason is, um, a lot of times it's lack of knowledge from what I've Well, it
0: could s- be lack of knowledge of QuickBooks, but it also could be lack yeah. of exposure to the power of these QuickBooks Online integrated applications. I, I can't give away too much here because at the time of recording this podcast, uh, Tech Makeover season two hasn't aired, but we have finished the season two implementation and the on-site filming process. And we just put QuickBooks Online into a company with over 40 employees, doing tens of millions of dollars in sales with complex job costing and very complex inventory controls, warehouses in multiple states. And we used QuickBooks Online for for that client, but we did it exactly as you're describing, Michelle. We did it with a combination of QuickBooks Online and just the right integrated technologies. So some, ca- some, some cases, it could just be that, you know, I don't like change. I think in a lot of cases, it's, they don't know how powerful these solutions really are.
1: And I think that's a good point, Joe. You know, in the past, these super large you know, Fortune 100 companies had these huge ERP system that would cost millions of dollars, but really now, small businesses with QuickBooks Online at the core and all of these apps that are available, we can create a very powerful type of system like those ERP systems to meet all their needs, like you were just talking about. So I think it's a lack of knowledge because there's so much available now that if you're not attending conferences like scaling new heights and if you're not staying current with the industry you just aren't aware of everything that's out there and all the capabilities i I think that's a great point
0: okay so to that point and by the way i want to make sure we define erp for the listeners that don't know that term Mm -hmm. it's enterprise resource planning and really what you described there, Michelle, is, if I could just play on it a little bit, SMBRP, right? You were talking about small, yes. and medium-sized <laughs> business resource planning. There is no such term, right? So it's a right. bit of an oxymoron uh, to have to, to impose the other term on it. But the reason there's no term is to exactly what you said. This is the first time, not to be melodramatic, but this is the first time in human history, the history of business, that small businesses can enjoy the same power in terms of infrastructure and systems as enterprise businesses can Um, and unfortunately a lot of that opportunity is being left on the table i think it's we've already mentioned two things it's it's lack of awareness of the power of the system sometimes it's resistance to change i would agree with you there yeah but sometimes they know the solutions are out there and they know that they could probably hunt and find a construction solution or inventory solution or legal solution that will work but they go to apps.com, they see the hundreds and hundreds of apps that are there, they get overwhelmed, they don't know how to get started. What advice do you have for them?
1: Well, and that's a good point, Joe. And when you do go to apps.com, one of the first thing that they can do is they can browse by category so they can look if they're looking for an inventory app. Like you said, there's lots of different inventory apps out there. One of the things they'll want to do is consider, you know, am I manufacturing? You can also search for these things by your type of industry because a a manufacturer will need a different inventory app than e-commerce or a a retail store. So you, you can browse either by category but also by industry to help narrow that down. And then if you still are overwhelmed, let's say you're looking at two or three different apps and you're not sure that's a great opportunity for asking your peers um, and networking with peers you know like with the Woodard group you know you've got that whole Yammer group where people can ask questions or you know like on social media um, we've got the Facebook group for QB power hour there's LinkedIn groups wherever you're connecting with your peers and conferences again like scaling new heights is a great opportunity to talk to those vendors in in the booths but also networking and talking with your peers asking them you know, what do you think of this app or that app? And then also at apps.com, those reviews out there, there's a lot of users and pro advisors that are reviewing those apps and they're they're putting their opinions in there and they're sharing those and things like that. So there's a number of ways that you can start to filter and narrow down your focus. And then let's say you're down to your last two and you, and you can't decide between the two of them, contact the vendor of that third party app and ask them for a one on one demo and Most of them will be willing to do that and answer your specific questions. And then you'll also want to try to set up a trial that all of them at apps.com offer some kind of a trial period. So you could test it out and play with it a little bit, but don't be testing it out on your live company. A lot of times we want to use a sample company when we're doing things like that.
0: Yeah. And you know what? You can get the client to invest in this process. You you're doing this research for them. So you know, yes, you're learning about the apps yourself, but let them pay you to vet solutions and like yes. everything else you do, don't charge by the hour, right? So, right? so if you're going to a company the size of Tech Makeover, um, then, then a client that big should invest a few thousand dollars in vetting yeah, technology. It if it's a very small mom and pop, maybe a few hundred dollars to, to vet the technology. But that itself is an engagement with with the client. So I, I love everything about that, Michelle. Yeah. I, I wanna shift gears now because we've been talking about what our clients need. Can the clients use QuickBooks Online? What suite of solutions can I pair together and and place on QuickBooks Online? But um, I wanna turn now to the accounting practice. And, and there are a lot of pro advisors who themselves are still on QuickBooks desktop and they haven't made the move. So I hear a parallel story. You know, the time and billing isn't robust enough. I can't get the engagement level, profitability tracking that I need. Um, And I would say the same thing to them, right? Pair it with the right technologies. But um, I think it's best to start with a why. You know, what what in your mind, you work with a lot of accountants like I do. What is the most compelling reason for an accounting firm to move from QuickBooks Desktop to QuickBooks Online?
1: You know, Joe, that's a really great question, Um, and I'm going to use a little analogy with it. You know, in the old days, (laughs) I don't know if people remember when, but before we had software and these computers and things, we had to do tax returns manually. You know, people were filling out the forms or they would fill out the coding sheet and send it off to a data processing center somewhere. Well, now people spend thousands of dollars on a tax prep software, whether it's Lucert or ProSeries or ProConnect Tax Online or another tax package. Accounting firms spend thousands of dollars on tax prep software. You know, and I'll ask people why. Why are you spending all that money on that? And the reason is, you know, they could go to irs.gov, get the PDF forms and do it manually, and people will laugh at me. And the reason we spend lots of money and time learning this new software, implementing the software within the firm and all that, the reason we do that is it allows us to perform and, and prepare way more tax returns for way more clients so we can be more profitable. It ultimately improves our efficiency which improves our profitability. And that's the way it is with QuickBooks Online compared to desktop. I can't imagine going back to desktop and sending those files back and forth with backup files or accountant's copies and all the issues involved with that and the data integrity problems, all of those are gone. So you're a lot more efficient once you're using QuickBooks Online, not to mention all the automation features that are available in it. But then when we combine that with some of these other tools and apps We really can make ourselves more efficient and ultimately more profitable. You know, think about how much time you spend getting bank or credit card statements from your clients. When it's time to reconcile the accounts, we may have all the feeds downloading, but we still need to reconcile those on a monthly basis, so we have to get the statements, Either you're chasing a client with emails, I need the bank statements, I need the bank statements, or you're having to go log in to the bank and the credit card account to download those statements, which I don't like my having my client's passwords unless it's a read-only password, but we spend a lot of time doing that. But there's an app like HubDoc which will fetch our bank statements for us. So when we're ready to reconcile the bank or credit card account, it's sitting there ready for us to do that. Um, there's just a ton of apps that we can use um, to stream Line, our workflow. We just did a webinar with Laura with Aero workflow. That is a great app for managing all of our tasks and our checklists and procedures, making sure everything's getting done properly. It ta- tracks the time so you can monitor, you know, how long things are taking. It tracks what you're telling them you want to invoice, you know, if it's a, hopefully a value price job. You can compare, you know, what you quoted versus the time it took to know if you're quoting the jobs, you know, well enough and things like that. So there's just a ton of these apps out there. you know, if you're doing a lot of accounts payable, using something like bill.com for the client to approve those bills for payment. So we don't have that liability. We, We don't want that liability. So just like for our clients, there's an app to streamline their workflows. Same thing for us as accounting professionals. We need to build a suite of apps for managing our practice and getting the job done for our clients quickly and efficiently. And ultimately it makes us, again, more efficient and ultimately
0: a lot more profitable yeah you're absolutely right and i really liked your analogy with tax preparation i mean am i gonna am i gonna sit with pen and paper and, or even or even uh to put it more to the point am i going to key punch in data into a tax preparation solution or is it going to integrate with quickbooks online uh, well you know now with with uh into its professional tax products that integrates with quickbooks online So we're we're talking about going from entering multiple times in a pre-integration world on the desktop to entering once, which is integrated desktop or cloud. And and what you just described was enter none. I mean, I'm not, you know, when HubDoc fetches a document, it also reads a lot of the data off the document Mm -hmm. and preloads a transaction for me in QuickBooks. When Bill.com automates payables, the vendor sends the bill to bill.com and bill.com puts the transaction in QuickBooks. Then my client approves which ones. And all I have to do is sign off on my side and bill.com cuts the checks a couple mm-hmm. clicks for an entire check run. All right. But then what's key? Cause I can know, I know these, the hourly billers are listening and saying, but doesn't that replace me? It doesn't replace them. Why Michelle? Tell them why because we,
1: first of all, we definitely are moving from that hourly billing to the value pricing, and the client doesn't have the capability to do this stuff. Um, So we are the ones who are setting up all this integration, and you're right, we're minimizing the time required for us. We're moving from data entry to data management where we're managing the data, and now we can also provide more advisory services. We actually can look at some things and look at some numbers and help advise our clients. We are much more of a trusted advisor role instead of just the bookkeeper and just doing the data entry. Um, It does allow us to really elevate our position with our clients. They still need us, um, but we are providing now a higher value of services as opposed to dealing with getting the data entry in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And for those that are concerned about cost, I would say that the fixed pricing takes care of that as well. If you have value infused fixed pricing, so you're layering in an analytic solution and some dashboarding and you're watching cash flow, you're watching cash projections, you're watching AR turns, inventory turns, uh, quick ratios, uh, liquidity, solvency and i know a lot of those terms could be foreign to some of the folks listening but the good news is the solutions like fathom live plan cuvinci and others they Mm -hmm. lay all that information right at your feet and you can then cherry pick which are the most critical items for your clients and begin to move beyond the numbers and you start doing that and the revenue that you generate from the increased value is going to more than cover the cost of the suite of technologies you use to deploy that. And for those that say it's too expensive, I would say that's like saying a tax practice, it says it's too expensive to buy the tax solution. We'll do it by hand. No, you're going backwards. That's why I love that analogy you gave us, Michelle. So advance forward folks. Michelle's given us some great suggestions here of how to deploy with our clients why you should move and how you can move to the cloud if you had previously disqualified Q, QBO because you were looking at it from the wrong angle. Look at it with its ecosystem partners and then how to deploy these in your own firm. And, and Michelle broke it down into managing your practice with a couple of tools there and productions, bookkeeping productions for your clients. We talked about that too. Michelle, I know you could go on like this for hours, (laughs) and I know you will at Scaling New Heights when you have hours, but thanks so much for being with us today. This was a great conversation.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, Joe, and I look forward to seeing you and everybody else at Scaling New Heights in a few weeks.
0: I want to turn the conversation now to our guest, Alicia Pollack. Alicia is an author as well, and also an advanced certified QuickBooks Pro Advisor. She's a member of the Intuit Trainer Writer Network. She self-publishes QuickBooks training materials and each month leads webinars on a wide range of technology topics, including QuickBooks, Apple, Microsoft Office, and various back office and business productivity solutions. Now in the field, her QuickBooks setups and troubleshooting sessions blend with her skills of technology and the patience of a trainer to keep her clients current on technology as well. Michelle had an amazing perspective on the shifts that are happening in the technology world throughout small business and accountants having to keep up with that. I want to drill down now with our next conversation with Alicia Pollack about QBO specifically. I mean, gone are the days when we could attend one update course on QuickBooks once each year and know everything that is new. The QBO development or release cycle is six to eight weeks every 45 to 60 days we need to know what's happening in this product and we need to be able to leverage every bit of it to the benefit of our clients so as you're facing that yeti staying current on technology qbo is a key place to stay current so let's get to alicia she is a trainer for intuit and the trainer writer network and it is her job to stay current on everything that's happening in QBO. Let's hear what she has to say. Alicia, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Joe, thanks for having me. Well, it's, it's great to have you here. Your sessions at Scaling New Heights coming up in June are going to be deep dives on QBO, and you're gonna unearth all these amazing features and the way to work with QBO in creative ways. It's a, it's a fantastic set of courses for people who are preparing for certification, but also for those who are already certified. So we're very, very excited that you're going to be with us then in June in Orlando and that you're with us now as well. I'm going to jump right into the first question. Uh, What do you find are the most important techniques business owners, that means our clients, need to know when moving to QBO and experiencing it for the first time?
2: Well, because they're used, many of them are used to desktop and moving to QuickBooks Online, one of the things that I always make sure that they understand thoroughly is the banking feed, because it's much more robust than desktop, but you still have to take control of it, and it needs to be trained. So when they're looking at the bank feed for the first time, it looks like it's making all kinds of mistakes, but that's just because you need to tell it where to put things, and then it learns as you go. And so when a business owner is getting started with QuickBooks Online, the bank feed is an absolute joy as you learn as you learn it and as you take control of it.
0: And, and, and what I'm hearing you say is it's, it's a fantastic tool out of the gate, but don't judge its full capabilities out of the gate. It will get smarter and you will educate it as you go. And by educated, I mean you're going to create – Uh, rules and best practices or does it just learns from the things that you've done in the past, right? And that kind of gets me to my second question. There is in QBO this amazing rules feature, but it's a little hidden. Tell us where to find it and tell us why it's so powerful.
2: Sure. The banking rules is kind of QBO's best kept secret because even if you've been using QuickBooks Online for some time, it it got rolled out about 6 months or maybe a year ago and it's become incredibly robust and so especially if you're used to the desktop version where all, the only thing that quickbooks rules or that the bank feed rules does restate the only thing that the bank feed rules do are assign a payee or a category here you can assign entire transactions including splits and because you look for it in the bank feed in the drop down arrow next to the upload button If you haven't gone in and done any exploring for a while, you might not even know that it's there. And the reason why I call it QBO's best kept secret is because even after they rolled it out, they added a check mark down at the very bottom that allows you to automatically add the transactions. So you can create these complex rules that automatically assign everything in the bank feed and just put it in QuickBooks for you, which saves you literally hours and hours of time.
0: Yeah, yes, and and automation in all of its various forms is a key benefit of QBO plus its ecosystem of integrated apps. And banking rules are the first step in that journey toward back office automation. For us as accounting professionals, especially if you perform outsourced bookkeeping services, it it directly translates into the ability to scale your practice and, and generate greater profits. If you're consulting with your clients it generates into greater scalability of their workforce in the back office, right? And greater human resource savings and efficiencies. So just like Michelle talked about where the world is shifting from enter it twice or three times or four times to enter it once being the goal, now it's enter it none. Right. The banking rules is key to getting to that none none goal. Um, now, at Scaling New Heights, you're going to be talking about QBO's mobile app, and it—that sounds a little funny because I can go to QuickBooks online, online, and it's already mobile optimized, right? So, so what, why did Intuit introduce an app?
2: So the native app, which works on smartphones and tablets, streamlines the. Browser version so that it gives you the essentials that you can use when you're out and about and on the go. So whether you're waiting in line and you have a, you can sneak an opportunity in to classify some transactions. Or if you have a service team that's out in the field, it allows them to instead of create invoices on paper and then take them into the office for the back office to enter, they can actually create their invoices and take payments right in the field, right on the spot so that the back office doesn't have to replicate the data entry.
0: And that's part of the inter none for the back office, right? Get, exactly. get the folks that are doing it in a customer facing way, whether that's uh, uh, say cash register for retail or like you just mentioned, somebody out in the field using the QBO app, um, if it's if it is QBO or it talks to QBO at the customer moment, then the back office just sort of, you know, watches those transactions come through, curates the data and rounds things off. And I don't mean to minimize that role. That's a very important thing, validating, verifying, completing the data. But boy, is that a world of difference from entering and then validating and verifying and completing. Exactly. Um, and I use that QBO app, by the way, Alicia, uh, personally for our financials uh, with my, my family. And, uh, you know, sometimes we'll be, you know, my wife and I'll be riding along and I'll, tur- I'll turn and look at her and think she's maybe browsing Facebook, catching up with the family, and she's reconciling the bank account, you know, <laughs> right, you know as we're moving from Aaron Day to Aaron B., and it doesn't take but a couple of, you know, a couple of miles down the road and she's got the whole bank wreck done um, because she it, the beauty of it is you can sort of do it high touch. You, you this gone, I think, are the days of doing bank wrecks at the end of the month. I mean, bank reps are a perpetual process and it really all comes down to the feeds, the rules, and the matching. And it's the reason that she can pull out her phone, match, 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 code one thing, maybe two at most, click a button, be done for the day with that bank wreck. It's unreal. Yeah. So. And
2: in addition to that added opportunity to get the work done, the mobile app also has features that are not available through the browser. So for example, you can look at your customer list on a map and you can see little uh, pin drops for every single customer. And then when you're have it up on your smartphone, you can tap their address and then it will go straight to the maps app and give you directions to their house.
0: Mm. See, there you go. It's just going to get more and more sophisticated. I'm going to be excited to see how they roll some of these practice management features into the, uh, the app as well. And then um, I, I was just meeting with Intuit at their Mountain View headquarters on Tuesday, and they're putting a lot of their self-employed eggs in the mobile basket. And in, in some cases, they're not even deploying a, a PC or Mac interface for QBO self-employed in some countries like India. Ooh. They're just deploying mobile. If you want to use it, you have a smartphone. Don't have a smartphone? You don't use QBO. That's bold. But obviously, they've got some research to back it up. But what that does, I think, for all of us globally is if Intuit is that serious about um, powering up the mobile interface, we're all going to benefit, even if we happen to have PC and Mac as well. So. Now, um, okay, so I've got one more question for you, and it's a, it's a higher-level one, which you can answer, of course, with a QBO answer, if that's the right answer for you. <laughs> um, what do you feel is the number one technology improvement in the last few years?
2: Well... I think that one of my favorite improvements in technology, it's a very small thing, but it actually turns into an absolutely huge thing. And that is that the banking apps on your smartphone now give you the ability to deposit your checks by taking pictures of them. And the benefits of that are actually enormous and huge, because if a client pays you a check, you frequently will sit there with a check until they stack up with enough for you to justify taking a trip to the bank to deposit them. So you sit there on your money without depositing it into the bank. So with the mobile app, as soon as you get a check, you can take a picture of the front, take a picture of the back, and it's deposited right then and there. You can do it right after the client when you're sitting in your car or at the end of the day. And another added bonus of that is because now you're not grouping your checks together, the bank your bank statement is going to have each check as its own individual item. It's going to integrate into your QuickBooks Online and automate itself. It will match your invoices and sales receipts for you automatically without you having to go up to the make deposits option to group them together. So it saves you steps in your workflow as well.
0: So take the picture of the check, let the bank you know, take care of that part and then through bank feeds, I'm hearing you say it's automated at the deposit level with the banking, but it's automated at the GL level now better, you get the one-two punch. Exactly. You know, and, and I would say as a general category, that's a, that's, that's a fantastic example of, of click to enter in motion. I mean, that, in and, and, and sort, of, sort of a QBO universe, the kill two birds It makes it very powerful the whole sector that you addressed of take a picture of a piece of paper or scan a piece of paper and liberate that data, parse that data and have solutions automatically code that data to the general ledger. That whole category to me, it would be my answer in a broader sense. Uh, So you've got solutions like HubDoc, Receipt Bank, Tally, Expensify, you name it, NEAT, that are, you know, liberating that data off the printed page Um, or in the case of an email right they have email addresses where you forward already digitized data so that they can parse and they can enter and it's just another leg in that journey of enter none that i think is going to define the industry over the coming years
2: yeah anything that we can do so that we can eliminate steps really boosts our productivity
0: yep yep productivity profitability and i'm going to channel a little ron baker here so that we can have adaptive capacity to measure on effectiveness Uh, most uh, most bookkeepers and accountants want to contribute to the success of their clients but they're not staying current on technology in a way that frees them to do so so without adaptive capacity this ability to spend some time proactively with my clients because i'm too busy key punching and catching up on entry and Um, and and doing client productions is uh, causing us, the the keepers of data, knowledge, and interpretation to to, to be doing a disservice to our clients. So all of it fits together nicely in a greater goal that leads to greater profits for us and greater effectiveness for the clients. And it sounds like your answers mean QBO is a critical part of that. So I appreciate you sharing all that with us today. My pleasure. All right. Great having you here, Alicia. We look forward to seeing you in June. Now, for more information about today's episode, to explore other episodes in this podcast series, or to learn more about our annual conference, visit woodard.com. That's W-O-O-D-A-R-D.com. As always, we encourage you to stay tuned, stay connected, never stop learning, and scale new heights.